Hello, hello, and welcome back to Under Further Review. We have a fantastic episode for you today, part one in our series on passion. It's something that we've started to talk about. I think we first brought it up about a month ago. We've been saying we've got this big series coming for you guys. Well, it is finally here. Had a, a fantastic episode today. Had one of our, our good friends on who, who you'll meet shortly and what she's passionate about. Really inspiring stuff. It's uh, really excited for, for this episode, for this series. Just a lot of, a lot of good that's going to come out of this. And hopefully, if you're listening to it, you can go and get motivated to pursue your own passions and do your own things in life that you may be you know, kind of sitting back on a little bit before then. So looking forward to it. Um, as always, if you aren't already, make sure that you are following us on social media. You can follow us on Instagram at UFR underscore Boise, Twitter at under further rev. Make sure you're following us. It's the best way to get updated whenever we go live, along with just being subscribed to us on your favorite podcasting platform. So make sure you're doing that because if you like the content, you got to be able to, you know, got to be able to get notified when we go live. So got a really good episode for you today. Can't wait to get into it. But first, let's play that music. We are back. Part one on our series on passions. It is here for you today. Really excited to bring it to you. As always, I am joined by our co-host, our producer, the one, the only, Tyler Mather. And Tyler, how are you doing, my friend? I was able to sneak in a half hour nap before I came. Wow. Feeling great then. Yeah. Feeling really good. Very good. I did not. And I slept maybe five hours last Ooh. night. So, But got some caffeine during lunch. Got one of those drinks from Drink Company, no free ads out here, and it was fantastic. So we're feeling good. We are feeling good. And first time guest in the pod, one of the most passionate people I know, one of the best people I know, our friend, Madison. Are we going with Madison? Are we going with your stage name? Yeah, sure. All right, Madison Proof <laughs> on the podcast. How are you doing, Madison? Good. Thank you very much for having me. I'm excited to be a part of the part one, kicking the series off right, I suppose. Yeah, we're excited to have you on. It's going to be going to be really good. We're looking forward to it. So, Madison, let's just start here. Talk a little bit about what your passion is, what it is that, that you enjoy doing. Mm -hmm. And, uh, yeah, just kind of kind of go into that a little bit so that people kind of have an understanding, just the, the basis of where we're going for the rest of the podcast. Yeah. Um, well, short version, my passion is music. My passion is writing music. Um, the little bit more extended version is I'm really passionate about understanding and exploring human connection through music. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, obviously understanding one another, but how we can educate each other about ourselves and, you know, the places that we're from. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And so you've been, you are not only someone who is just passionate about music, you are involved in the music industry, mm -hmm. particularly here in Boise. You're a hip hop artist here in the Boise area, part of the, the Boise scene. Talk just quickly for the audience about being involved in, as a part of the, the Boise scene, being a part of the hip-hop industry here, and, and what that looks like in Boise, and then kind of the impact that's had on you to your life up to this point. Yeah, okay. Um, well, the, something that I've noticed about the local Boise hip-hop rap scene um, is that it is very friendly and collaborative, and it's there isn't a whole... Um, there isn't this idea of like competition, you know, usually when you hear rap, it's like, I'm, I'm the best. I'm going to put the city on the map. 
you know, like, nobody can top the charts like me in my city, you know. And there's a bit of that, like, playfulness in the Boise scene, of course. Like, fun competition is always healthy. But as far as, like, the cutthroat aspect of it, it's it's very, it's all open, free game here. I feel like people are really willing to put each other on each other's tracks, put each other on each other's shows, invite people, you know, buy people's products, like, like cross-promoting. Like, it's really huge here. It's, like, a big interwoven tapestry out here. Yeah, um, that's awesome. I mean, granted, I haven't gone to a, like, bigger and participated in bigger hip-hop and rap scenes. Um, that's just kind of, you know, my interpretation. Right. Yeah. But, I mean, you've been a part of the scene here. You've performed at Tree Four. Is it three times, four times now? Yeah, just this last March was year three for year me. Year three. Yeah. I mean, that's, Tree Four's big time. Like, that's, that's, a, that's a legit... I, I can't remember, the terminology is escaping me. But <laughs> <laughs> it is legit. It, it does a lot of um, really cool things for local artists. I mean, obviously, they, like, provide us with free promo. I mean, free promo for us um, and brings a whole lot of money into Boise in general, but is also really good with paying our, our artists. And That's me, awesome. Me, yes, which is really cool because it's not easy making, you know, money as an underground artist in general. So True Fort does a lot for, for all of us. Yeah. That's awesome. So let's get into kind of where your passion for music came from. Mm-hmm. Where, when did you first realize that you just had this passion for, for music and being able to create music? When did you first realize that that was a part of your life? And then when did you start to pursue that? When mm-hmm. did you start to take that step of saying, you know what, this is something I really deeply love and enjoy doing, and I'm going to just go explore it and go make it happen? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think, I mean, I've always been experimenting with my voice, don't we all? You know, this is me, this is what I sound like, hear me roar when you're a child, you know, always being loud or rambunctious. Um, And my parents tell me that I started singing before I could talk, and maybe that's just like a humble brag of theirs by now. Um, But I was really um, interested in choral music when I was growing up, so being on stage and singing like the opera and the fanciness and having this big extravagant voice, I really just, I wanted that life. Um, and my parents would joke around that I could be like the next Britney, you know what I mean? Not yeah. like, you know, minus all the bad stuff. The singing Britney. Right, yeah. right, right. I mean, at the time she was still, I mean, somewhat of a child star or whatnot, but just that idea of being in the spotlight was really fostered for me in mm-hmm. my in my household. Um, so that was all, all, always like an option for me, you know, like it wasn't, I mean, we'll talk about that later. But um, so I started doing choir in... Um, elementary school throughout junior high and then I got into a varsity um, women's choir in high school uh, at Bora shout out Arsnova Um, but I had a falling out with the choir teacher just um, you know a discrepancy a little misunderstanding um, and with all my teenage rage and hormones and I'd been writing um, poetry all throughout I like storytelling Um, but at this point in time in like my junior year of high school um, I just kind of turned my back on all that and was like I have all of this choral knowledge. I'm comfortable with my voice now. I've gone through some somewhat of classic training. Um, let's just see where this takes me. I have a whole stack of old poems, old stories, old things that I used to write. Let's just see what I can do with it. Um, so at that point in time, kind of like in a bit of you know, revenge, a little bit of vengeance, I started writing um, my own, like, I mean, I couldn't sing. I couldn't write hooks, like disclaimer, like, I was afraid of using all of that classical tr- classical training to 
like put it into music, you know, right. like when you, it was just hard for me. Like, how do you fit the words into that amount of time? Like you have to spread out a word. Like the rhymes just didn't make sense. Like slow rhyming, you know? Yeah. So I took just from the poetry and I figured it was going to be a really easy transition from poetry to like boom bap hip hop. You know what I mean? Like the metronome goes a certain type of way and the yeah. words fit. It was just way easier for me. So it started with that. Um, just trying to think of like MCs and ciphers and stuff. And when I pitched it to my parents, they thought it was lame. So I'm like, okay, I went back, you know, to the writing board and was like, I have to have some singing in here if like anybody's going to take it seriously. Um, and also I don't, I, I want to sing. Like I've, I've put all my time and energy into this. So um, with that, I was just kind of scrolling through YouTube on the free beats. Um, you know, shout out to every un underground local artist who knows that struggle. Um, yeah. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> um, and, and I found a couple a couple beats that I really um, connected with. And either, um, I mean, the writing process is different on all, almost all my songs, um, some similarities. But I just um, compiled some of those old songs with those beats, and uh, in my junior, senior year of high school, I think at this point, it took me about a year to kind of get everything solidified, um, I had produced the track Crossroads. Right. Yes. Um, and Banger. so, yeah, thank you. <laughs> so, such a great song. Yeah, um, I, I had come up with a, um, a couple ones before that, but that was like the Crossroads was the big one that I was like, okay, I'm going to show my parents this and see if they like it and if there's anything that, you know, can they support me with this? What can I do with this? You know, I'm only like 17 years old. But I, I'm hungry, so I, I wanted to chase that and see what I could do. Um, and my dad has a lot of connections in the city, so I figured he would be the guy to go to, right? Right. Um, and he loved it. Um, and then after that, we got connected. Uh, he got connected with Michael Reiser, the CEO of 208 Music Studios. Oh, wow. Yeah, and that's a local um, artist development company out here in Boise. Um, and we do a ton of different things. I mean, artist development from helping already recording artists to help them perform or helping somebody like me who had never recorded, who had never performed, who had, don't doesn't have any albums out, or for people who already have an album out and they need some more promo or they need some graphics, you know, there's just a huge wide range. I mean, just like a one-stop shop for any type of artist um, has been a huge support for me. And 208 Music in and of itself has really, from that point at my senior year of high school, has just like drowned me in in the music scene yeah. in a good way <laughs> in a good way yeah in, in a really good really way. kind of you feel like that's been kind of your support through all of this that's kind of helping take that initial jump yeah and i can confirm you performed i got a live version of crossroads at our leadership camp it was fantastic yes thank uh, you. We're, we're gonna throw that at the end of this podcast cool. and y'all are gonna be like wow it's a banger go check it out it's on spotify soundcloud SoundCloud, that's right. Yeah. In my head, that's yeah, what yeah. I was thinking. No, it's okay. But it Spotify came out. It's yeah, on yeah, yeah. It's so the Crossroads, the Crossroads is the title track to the entire mixtape that's on SoundCloud, mm -hmm. um, and all of those beats, like the Crossroads beats, are YouTube beats. They're free beats. Right. Um, so I couldn't. Well, they're not free. That's why I couldn't make money off of them. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it was like they were giving it to you, but then. You as long as you weren't using it to you weren't monetizing yeah, it, then you're good. Exactly. So yeah, that's why all of that is on um, so, uh, SoundCloud. And then recently, uh, this last January or this January, I guess, because it's still 2019 that turned 2019, right? Numbers, years, yeah. months. Yeah, it's all um, good. I released the Transparent album, and that was my first like real you know, not mixtape, my first real CD. Um, and those were, m many of the beats were made in-house. A couple of them were made from other people in the in the local area. So 
Gotcha. Yeah, yeah. cool collaborative stuff. And that's everywhere. Yeah, for, that's first on. First Yeah, that's transparent. Everywhere. Thank you, Nathan. Go yeah. <laughs> listen to it, Spotify, Apple Music. Mm-hmm. It's everywhere. It's fantastic. Talk about that process of really, you know, creating your, your first album and, and then being able to produce that and release that and how kind of your passion motivated you throughout that whole process and yeah. your just your love for music and what pushed you to, I mean, because that's a big step. You know, I feel like a lot of people, they can be passionate about music, you know, learn how to play the guitar or whatever, but then mm-hmm. to go out, make an album and really put yourself out there. Just talk about the kind of that process for you. Yeah. Um, I think when we often think about the word passion, it's very uplifting and people like really embrace it with open arms. But when when we're doing something that we're really passionate about, it's like really difficult, like yeah. really hard. Absolutely. Um, and so the idea of passion driving me through, I mean, both cr- the Crossroads mixtape and the Transparent album um, was like a lot of self-hatred, like in complete honesty. Like it was, it was really hard to get back up or when I thought that um, I didn't have an outlet to to voice my concerns that like, you know, it was just unimportant anyways and it just shouldn't be brought up. And so uh, a lot of that process was just like, do I have the space do I, am I around like the right um, support group or am I alone? And like it was that constant battle of like, well, if I'm going to be independent, I have to be alone. But yeah. that's that's such a lie. It really right. is. Yeah. I mean, I could not be where I w- am now or where I will be without, first of all, 208 Music, my 208 family, you know, and them giving me that environment to mess up like and fail or make a bad song or let it be a bad song and you know like having to upload this content and like hearing it and it already has 500 views and being like ah oh, this is the wrong version oh. <laughs> this isn't what I wanted so having to redo that um and and also having like the passion in that like telling yourself that it's still worth it yeah like we've already come this far like even though I've messed up and you kind of have like this whole trail of baggage behind you it's still worth it and still like being strong enough to carry all that with you like I have messed up I do have a couple failures and like the difference between like feeling shameful and guilty in that like there's no reason to feel guilty when everybody's like making mistakes in a growing environment when you are a growing under underground artist um but but shame I think is also something that really came with like that passion was like do I deserve this spot do I deserve this 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 spotlight more in particular like why should people listen to me Mm -hmm. um and so there's a lot of like having to prove to myself first I think is like the biggest pillar of that um yeah and I I absolutely you know singing and what we've done is a little bit different than you know podcasting and singing is a little bit different but Mm -hmm. I I kind of get what you mean even through this process there's times where we've you struggle with, you know, you make a mistake and you, you, it's so easy to beat yourself up on it because you want to be so perfect because it yeah. is something you care about so much. But then I feel like what we found is that when we do make mistakes or when we have failed or we had a bad podcast, it's the fact that we just, we love it so much that keeps us going. Mm-hmm. Whereas if we were, you know, playing a game of soccer or something and we sprained our ankle, it would be easy to say, no, nah, I'm out. You know, we hit, we hit a bump in the road. It's not worth it. Mm-hmm. Is that something you felt like that when you had those really low points at the end of the day, you were able to say, you know what, I love doing this mm-hmm. and that's what kept you going? Yeah, to some extent. And that does like cause some like confusion of the self, you know, it's like, oh, I did mess up, but I do deserve this and I enjoy it. Um, but when, when, 
I mean, obviously, this is like a blanket statement. Of course, we are all our own worst critics. But yes, um, yeah. in especially when we're doing, I mean, in in the same spotlight of podcasting and streaming, we have audiences, and yep. those opinions do matter. Right. Um. And, and t- to those the opinion holders, and also two of us. That's our rep- that's our reputation. That's what we're surviving off of. Um. And so I think like the biggest the biggest struggle there is who's whose opinion weighs more in mm. that. Um, and also if you're giving credit where credit is due, you know what I mean? Like you're, we are very important people, but not always do we deserve the spotlight. Mm-hmm. So, and, and, and remembering that when we don't feel like we have the spotlight is really difficult. It's like, okay, now I'm being humble here. Did I, did I mess up? Is there room for me to, to try again? Or should I just let that fail be a fail? And I'm just going to repackage it in a different way. You know what I mean? Trying the same things over and over because it's worth it or just accepting it as a fail. Yeah. 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 And I think that that's, you know, it's so important just in life in general to when you do have a failure and sometimes you do need to say, Hey, you know, we got to move on from this. Mm -hmm. You know, it is, you made the mistake, you, you live it and you own up to it, but you kind of, you keep pushing through and you keep moving on and, keep growing i think that's the biggest thing and you know we've whatever just i think in general when we've made mistakes we've been able to use it as a learning experience that's something that, that you've encountered that when you've had those moments of things not going well that you were able to use it as a learning experience and grow from it mm-hmm. and i don't know i guess just yeah i don't know is that something that, that you've experienced yeah absolutely i think i mean i'm still in that process of like how how hard I take things or how, how important things are. Um, so using things now as a learning experience, of course, I always tell myself that in hindsight, you know what I mean? After the, the, the shame or whatever, after like whatever I feel like I've messed up on is like over. I'm like, ah, yeah, that was a learning experience. I shouldn't have been so hard on myself. I shouldn't Mm -hmm. have been so negative or, um, and and this is like self-talk and also like, in hindsight, but also like when something is happening, like, like for example, I had at Treefort at this last year, um, I had an audience member, I had a couple audience members come up to me after the show and, um, mentioned to me that they were offended by the, some of my lyrics and that, um, I was coming off as racist to them and they took it to social media. Um, and so at that point in time, I was like so focused on, my reputation going to shambles and where, where was this miss, where did this miscommunication lie? How could this have possibly happened to me? Um, and and why me, you know, like that stupid shame that everybody feels, but it's natural. Um, and at that, while that was happening, like the whole, this was at the end of March. So like all of April, most of May it's June now. I mean, like I'm still now trying to process it as a learning experience rather than being like, Nope, time to, pack up the bags and call it good, you know? Yeah. Um, and so I'm still in that process of, of trying to figure out what is worth um, the spotlight and the reflection time. Um, that experience certainly was very much worth the reflection, I think, um, in hindsight, of course, you can always speak that. But um, in, that, in that time where I, I totally sucked out of social media, I wasn't making any posts. I'd mentioned to you, like, I yeah. haven't logged on to my Madison Proof since Treefort. Um and so really, I think the passion that I'm dealing with now is like repurposing why, like not, not trying to like disprove the haters, like, nah, right. I'll show you how I'm not a racist. Not that at all, but like really trying to like 
look on the outside of like, okay, how am I being interpreted? How are people seeing me? And like, like we talked about leadership, like do my actions line up with my morals and my values? Am yeah. I speaking what I really believe in? So um, I think there's, there just comes a lot of like checks and balances on the self. Um, yeah. Yeah. And I know that's something we've kind of more recently encountered is you're going to have people that have a certain perception of you mm-hmm. and they might make, statements like that like i know you as a person you're not a racist i've listened to your music i don't know how how or where they interpreted that but people, i can explain that as yeah. well yeah yeah but um. i mean this you know people are going to get certain ideas and they're going to draw their conclusions and i think that you know for us when we've had we've had people you know make comments about us and and what we're doing or me as an individual and it's so easy to say, oh, they're wrong. That's not how it is. Or take it to heart and just be really offended. But, mm-hmm. you know, we've just tried to, to use every comment, positive or negative, as a learning opportunity. As, okay, why do they feel that? Which is kind of what you're alluding to. Mm-hmm. Why did they say that? And how can I change that perception of myself? But at the same time, understanding that if there's, you know, sometimes the people are just wrong. Mm-hmm. Like, like, you know, if someone was calling you a racist, like, you just, you're not. And you can just move on knowing, you know, that's not who I am. And yeah. like you talked about, like, living out your your morals and, you know, really being, I guess, broadcasted as, as who you are as a person. Mm-hmm. But kind of getting back to the, the you know, the, the passion parts, we took a little bit of a detour there, but I think it was good. It was good. It's all about, words. I mean, passion doesn't always sound like all happy and stuff, yeah, you know no, what I mean? Right. Yeah. And I think that's, I think that's such an important message and part of, I mean, I, not a good way to kick it off, but I mean, let's be realistic. Yeah. No, <laughs> yeah. Like, let, let, let's keep it real here. And I think that it's an important message because so many of us, I think that, we think if we go pursue what we want to do, that it's just going to be easy all the time. Mm. And I think that's what that's really what separates what you are passionate about and what you aren't is when you are in love with something and you genuinely like just enjoy the process of it every single day. When things do get hard, you're able to fight through those tough times. Yeah, you really got to make it work for sure. And to figure out, like, does this mean as does the person who's making this comment or does the place that this is coming from, does our, does this mean as much to them as it does to me? Right. I think that's a really important thing as well, because if somebody isn't on um, the same page as you, you, there's no reason to, to, to count their, their suggestion, you know? Yeah. Um, I mean, going back to like this racist comment, like it was, we're talking about, you know, kind of dispelling, you know, whether people are right or wrong. But it is, I think, another part if you're going to be somebody who is, like, passionate about something but also, like, down to earth with, you know, like, with really what you're trying to do, you're going to have to take a lot of step back, a huge step back. And, like, the people that – the things that hurt the most or the things that you immediately think are wrong, like, nope, you're wrong, I'm not a racist, like – count it with some credit. I mean, that's like a huge point. I mean, because how can you expect anybody to count you with credit if you're not like giving that in, in due, in, in due time. So I think that's something that I really had to learn as well. Like, even though that was like a really, really huge sting, it was like, ah, but it's not coming out of nowhere, you know, Mm -hmm. where, where is that, where's that lying? Um, and yeah, just the, the courage and, um, to, to step back and like be in their shoes. Yeah. And I do want to, you know, you, you have your music and you talked about how you are passionate about it. And yeah, I mean, you've shown it, you've lived out your action, which I think is a step so many people are just kind of 
unwilling to take. They feel like they know what they love, but they don't make those steps to, to go do it. And you've done that. But there was another part of it that you talked about, being able to unite people through mm-hmm. music, right? Talk about that and how you've made that connection from kind of starting with just the making music and expressing yourself through music to as, okay, we can do this and we can unite people doing this. Talk yeah. about how you came to that sort of love for the music industry. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think my desire to unite others is drawn from the place of like how I was just immediately embraced with, with open and welcoming arms with everybody else that I was around. Um, that, that was something like being placed in that environment with other people who were just willing to just give me a try or give anybody a try just was so, so necessary to the entire recording process to my individual albums, but also, I mean, to every other artist's albums, and then we came up with a collaborative album as well. Um, and I think that when you give somebody a, a, a shot in the dark, you know, and and they understand that, they recognize that, and you give them that validation, it that validation is enough to be able to create something really great. You know what right. I mean? Like, we have a saying at the studio that collaboration is king, like, mm, overall. Like yeah, and it, it, it gets... We say that all the time. You know what I mean? When we have featured artists come in like, oh, I think that you would sound great on this track. Boom, we record it and it sounds fire. Guess what? Collaboration is king. That wouldn't have happened if it was just me. Right. Same type of way, like not just with recording, but like even going out and supporting other people's shows. Like how good would it feel if I saw all my other artists in the crowd? You know what I mean? Right. Like that. I would much rather have a bunch of like educated artists telling me their opinions on my show rather than, I mean, Joe Schmo yeah. down at the bar. Right. Yeah. And I think that that's really, really huge. And so I'm, there's like kind of like a, a, a line here because I have also noticed that like Boise is a really, in my experience, really hard city to get people to be engaged and involved, like f- from the like audience level. Right. Yeah. And so it's kind of like a weird like catch 22 dichotomy if you will because there's a lot of artists out there that are supporting other artists and that's really great we have like like I was talking about like this quilt of support and and um of validation and of love and of willingness to try each other out but um it's really difficult for us to get our entire message out and to really feel united with the rest of the community right and I'm not really sure like how to penetrate that wall you know what I mean like it's difficult to just like let all the music burst out and everybody know and then we can all really feel commu- like community united and educated and know about the Boise music scene um, but that's the goal I mean through 208 music and the artist development like that is where I felt the most connected it's where I continue to help others feel connected when they walk through the door as new um, incoming artists Um, and also just trying to reach out to like you know people reaching out to me on social media other kids like which is something I never even thought about you know like getting into the music industry I thought that make you know the people that would be hitting me up would be like labels or radio people I mean obviously that's like big dreaming but that's what I thought and that's really not it at all like there's real human connection all the time like kids will come up to me at Boise Music Festival and they want they want me to sign their poster or something and it's like I'm a role model to a lot of these girls a lot of these little girls and so remembering that is very hum very humbling um, and also very ego boosting depending on which (laughs) way you want to take it depending on the day because there's a lot of power in that but you know I think with the power that I have that a lot of us artists have and that anybody any any good artist that wants to use that power for good um 
it's better to connect with, you know, to continue with connecting with the other, the community outside, you know what I mean? Take right. that same vibe that we're having artist to artist and give that love, give that validation to, to the people who actually are supporting you, you know what yeah. I mean? Like, who want to support you, the kids, the new, uh, the new audience members, stuff like that. Yeah. So I think it's really in the works. Um, obviously, my vision is really big to be able to, like, kind of pop the bubble of, like, validation and love to, like, the other listeners, you know, that yeah. don't know about the local Boise rap and hip-hop scene. Um, but I can't do it on my own. That's right. <laughs> A lot of us other artists, yeah, they're chipping in. Yeah, no, and, you know, from every time I've talked to you, you always speak so highly of the other artists in the industry mm-hmm. and the people that you've worked with, and you, you see it constantly in in just the way that you go to Treefort and like you've spoken about this when you perform there's other artists in the crowd there you know helping you out and when Mm. you you know you listen to your album you've got those features on there from other artists here in the area which is awesome but talk a little bit about how you you in your music you try to kind of create that I guess uniting-ness I don't know if that's a word I I don't think it's a word unity yeah, that's what we're rolling with. Like I said, five hours of sleep, guys. Yeah. We're, we're struggling. but You're doing <laughs> talk, great. Talk about how you try to build that unity within within your actual music because there's some very clear themes within your music mm-hmm. of it is very, I feel like, kind of positive music. It's mm-hmm. not music that's I hate myself. It's not Juice World, right? You're yeah. not out here like, I hate myself. I'm so lonely. Yeah. Like, there is a very positive message that I, pe- that I feel like people can kind of unite through. Mm-hmm. Talk about how you kind of put that into your music. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for calling it positive. Um, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, the I'll just um, briefly, I mean, talk about more specifically the Transparent album. Okay. Um, and that was written and set with the intention, kind of exactly how it sounds, to be transparent. Mm-hmm. I mean, and generally there's a couple different interpretations. But, I mean, the place that I'm coming from is that, like, when you listen to this album, when you listen to a song on the album, you get you get what you hear, you get what you pay for. You know what I mean? There's, there's not really any glossing over it. It's like real raw human emotion and thought, even though if it doesn't sound like that pleasing, like there's, um, on the first track, the agenda is like kind of this like, um, satirical, like, like cast on the world almost like kind of thinking like I I'm, the lyrics are unplug me, cut my wires. Like this, right. this world that I'm living in, I just feel so detached. It's an ugly world. Um, and so the, I'm like losing what I'm trying to say, but um, <laughs> you're fine. You're doing great. Being, I, I took like this route of transparency on the entire album so that when people listened to it, that they would get, they wouldn't get any like, um, projection uh, of an ego, you know what I right. mean? Like things that I wanted to be doing or yeah. money that I wish I had or drinks that I wish I was drinking, people that I wish I was around, but like real life It's you stuff, exactly, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and I definitely, you listen to the album and you get that sense, right? Like you, on your track, Persevere, mm-hmm. I feel like in particular I was listening to that song and I felt like I was just in a room with you. Like I can picture myself sitting there with you and I feel mm-hmm. like that's something that, so many artists are so detached from. Yeah. It's so easy to throw on a song by X, Y, or Z, and it's like they wanted to make a bop, they made a bop, but right. it's, they aren't in it. Like, you really pour yourself out onto the, the album, and I feel like that that's something people can relate to. It's something yeah. people can kind of unite with, and, and then, you know, from there, they 
hopefully take that to, to the positive. And the, yeah, the exactly. And that's where I was coming from is that like really giving a, a space, a listening space, a listening environment, if you will, for people to really just like bathe in. You know what mm. I mean? Like like you're talking about like these aren't bops that would play on the radio, but it's like it's music that's going to make you think about how you're feeling and make you think about how I was feeling when I wrote that. Like yeah. they're real human emotions that are out there and they're not always pretty and they don't always sound like slaps on the radio, but like it gives you a context as to either you're not alone, you're not the only person going through this, or I never thought of it like that. You know what I mean? Yeah. That, that's what I was going for, at least. And, no, and you get that vibe, and it's very, obviously your album came first, but have you have you listened to Igor? By, by I haven't. I, my coworker was actually just telling me about it. It's, he said he was a slapper. It's it's very similar. There's a lot of just emotion on the album, and it's very real, and it's it's not an album that you can kind of passively listen to. And mm. that's, that was something that, the first, like, I'll be honest, the first time I listened to it, I was like, oh, this is whatever. And then I turned it back on again a few weeks later, a month later, and I actually listened to it and, like, got into the lyrics. And I was like, whoa, this is actually, like, this, is, this isn't passive listening. This isn't Mo Bamba, I'm going to throw it on, and I don't even know what half the words are. This yeah, is, yeah. like, you know, it's very real. And I think that once people get into that message, you do such a good job of being able to, to project, like you said, a positive message and, and be a positive role model. Thanks. Yeah. No, it's a uh, it's solid stuff. Tyler, what are your thoughts over there? You've kind of been hanging out. So I wrote down a few things. I have a few questions. <laughs> cool. Um, I think you kind of answered some of them just throughout, but yeah. these don't have to be, like, long answers. <laughs> so when did the hobby become a passion, mm. right? I think there's a difference where a hobby is something that you enjoy doing, and there's not a lot of struggle in a hobby. Mm-hmm. What makes it a passion, I think, is when you're willing to kind of ride or die with it. It's like, you know what, I'm going to pour more of me into this and I'm going to persevere through the tough times and I'm going to, you know, enjoy the great times. Mm -hmm. So is there a particular moment when the hobby became the passion? Yeah. Yeah, I've never thought about that. Thank you. Um, I would say it didn't, the, the hobby didn't turn into a passion until... Sometime after the Crossroads mixtape was already recorded and pressed up and in full CDs and I was selling them and I finally like put it into my car and gave it a, a, the clean listen for the first time. Mm-hmm. And I remember just bawling my eyes out. Like I called my producers. I mean, I was bawling because they ordered the wrong, they put the wrong tracks on there. But I was, <laughs> <laughs> but I was also bawling because when I called them, like, we have this other thing, like, whenever on show days or performance days or, like, big days, um, Mike, he always calls us and he says, all right, let me hear it loud and proud. And no matter where we're at, we have to scream at the top of our lungs, show me the money. <laughs> yeah. Seriously. That's Seriously. Awesome. Like, you just know, show day and he's calling. You just know that's what it's for. Um, and so it was kind of like that same idea. Like, this was a big, this was my first big step as a, as a new artist. I have my first mixtape out. Um, and so he, we had that show me the money moment. And after that, I was just like, he says, this is real now. Like, you know, mm-hmm. there's no really going back to that. And I, and I just kind of, I, I sat there in my car and thought about that for a little bit. Cause I was like, it could be done with, like, I could just put an album out and I don't have to do any recording or performing. I don't, I I don't have to go to bars or go to events and I don't have to do any press for this. I could just tell people about it and it could just be the thing that I did that one time. But then I was like, 
I have so much more to say. Right. <laughs> there's so much there's so much to say and there's so much to explain and so many people that I want to meet that I was like, yeah. I guess there is more to this, you know. There I do have some more energy and I do have some more worth that I, I do I want to put back into that. So, I think um soon after the I had gotten that CD and, you know, once I'd gotten the right version of yeah. it, yeah. it was like, okay, yeah, no, we can do something with this. Yeah. yeah. And okay. so I mean, you've been doing it this for 4 or 5 years now. Four or five years now, right? Yeah, I think probably going on year five, year five soon. So how many times have you felt like throughout this process that you were just beaten to shit, you were kicked down, you're like, it would be so easy to quit now. But then how many times do you feel like you've just gotten back up? And we're yeah. like, all right, but I love it. We're going to keep going with it. A lot. Um, I mean, especially because music isn't a full-time thing for me right now. I mean... I mean, in the summertime, yes, it's full-time, but I'm also a full-time student, and, right. I, and I work full-time. So I feel that a lot because it's like music is always the first thing to go on the back burner right. because I need to get my grades. I need to get my money, you know yeah. what I mean? And, and, I, and I need to, like, make sure that my family and my friends are good, that I have, like, a good support system for, you know, if anything goes out of balance. And music is always the first thing that gets on the back burner. And it's always like, oh, well, it's been six months since I've even picked up a pen and started writing anything. Or it's been three months since I've even talked to another artist and asked how they were or what they've been working on or whatever. Um, But I think that what always kind of draws me back in is I always... I mean, it's like kind of selfish, but like I always have more to say. There's a better mm-hmm. way that I can that I can word something, or there's a message that I feel like would be better for somebody else to hear it. You know, like, and that's a bit conceited. You know, thinking that I have you know things that people need to hear, but that is what brings me back in. Yeah, absolutely. I think we can both relate to that. I mean, we we have a podcast. Like our <laughs> our job here is just to talk into a microphone. But yeah, I you know it is. It's addictive. You know, you'll go through a phase. We'll, we'll go through a phase. We'll record three, four podcasts in a week, late nights. We have work going on and all this other stuff, school, work, family, everything. And it's so easy to be like, oh, man, I'm just so burnt out on this. And then you'll give it about a day and we'll have this idea of something we want to talk about. Mm-hmm. And it's just that passion's there. Again. Exactly. And it sounds like that's something you feel like in your music. Too. Yeah. It's just like you might go through a stage of feeling kind of burnt out, but then. You, you you get in those lyrics to, to persevere in your head. Like, All right, let's go. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. That last question you asked was a good one because it knocked a couple questions off my list. <laughs> um, so you talked a lot about 208 music. Mm-hmm. You also talked about right at the beginning your parents. It sounds like your parents were very supportive from really early on, but mm-hmm. they were also critical it sounds like yeah um so my question is had your parents kind of turned their back on the idea of you doing music do you think you would be making music today or do you think you would have been like uh you know i guess music's not for me i'll I'll try something else Mm -hmm. yeah i think and it's kind of like a it's like a like a tug of war here um between like the support and the non-support because they really i mean my parents are my biggest fans like oh overall through and through like my mom's heart reacting every single post you know what I mean um and my dad's always showing up and and giving me loves and hugs afterwards they're very proud of me um but their their worry and their concern just comes from like the longevity of this you know and that's 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 really a lot of people's concern it's my 
advisor here at Boise State's concern, you know, right. <laughs> like about what's pulling me away from, you know, well, how are you going to make this a long term thing or how are you going to continue to do this um, if it only like benefits yourself? Like, what are you doing for other people? Um, and, and so I think the, the support that or the concern that really comes from um, and, and maybe this is wrong of me to kind of like speak on what I believe my dad's logic is here. Um, but from the parents' perspective, I really understand their um, concern for supporting me all the way, um, giving me that full support. Because in a lot of people's jobs and lives and experiences, you have to work a lot or get a lot of money to pay for these experiences, to go right. on vacation, to do these things, to right. get a lot of gas in your car. Um, and, and in the music industry, it's just so different. Like you do the experiences first and then you get the money. Yeah. And so I think that's something that I... I have tried to explain in more more or less words to my parents, um, but, you know, they're paying for my college and they're helping me out with so many things that I really have to give, like, respect where respect is due, you know. Um, like I said, they're still very supportive. Um, but, yeah, had I not um, had their support in the beginning, I definitely, I wouldn't have been able to meet up with 208 Music. I wouldn't have continued writing. I wouldn't have... I probably would have just ended with Crossroads if, yeah. if you know, that was that was really it. Um, and I think even some of the Transparent album was written, um, like, really late nights, like, being there all, sing all day, almost every single day, in spite of my parents a bit. You know, like, you don't think this is going to, you don't think anything's going to come of this. Watch, I'm going to drop an album. You know yeah. what I mean? So a little bit of that. I mean, some things are healthy to do in spite and not oh, yeah, everything. Yeah. <laughs> not everything. But yeah, um, it is it is something now that like with their with their support and also without it, I think in the space that I'm in the mindset that I'm in now, I would still continue to do it, you know? Yeah. And I, I mean, you touched early on there in particular about just finding that balance between okay, I'm taking this giant risk that might not pan out in the long run and just doing what's safe. And I think a lot of people, they probably are sitting at home listening to this, struggling with this idea of, okay, there's something I really love, but I don't want to just jump all in on it mm -hmm. yet. You know, I am going to play the middle or, no, I'm not going to pursue it because, you know, not, not everyone can be a hip-hop artist. Not everyone can have a podcast. Mm -hmm. Not everyone can have a YouTube channel. But a piece of advice my dad gave me when I was young, and I think this is as much for just the people listening, just take risks when you're young. Mm -hmm. You know, when we're 20 years old, 22 years old, we're unmarried. We don't have kids. We're living with roommates on, you know, super cheap rent a month. We don't have mortgages. Mm -hmm. Most of us don't have car payments. Right now, we can go take these chances, go take these leaps. And if we fail... There's, it's not affecting anyone else. Mm -hmm. It's not going to crush us. It's not going to kill us. It might set us back two years in our life. Well, we live an 80-year life more than likely. Two years is nothing. We'll be fine. Yeah. We can catch back up. We can always get that job at State Farm or wherever <laughs> later on. But it's yeah. like, go take that chance now when you're young. And I feel like that's something you really embrace. Mm -hmm. I mean, you, you put out a mixtape and an album by the time you're, you're 21 right now, right? Yeah. 21 years old and you're, you're already doing that. I mean, look. There's no better time than now. Like, are you going to do this when you're 40 yeah. and married and have kids? Like, no, Be not around for when I'm 40, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think your dad's really right on that. Taking risks at a young age is super important. Um, and, and just to add on to that, I think that, like, really the biggest the biggest thing for me at least, um, and I'm, and I can't be alone because, you know, humans are social creatures. We need that. We need validation, yeah, whether absolutely. we want to admit it or not. Um, but 
if you are feeling, for the listeners at home, if you are feeling like you are um, unable to take this big jump or this big risk or you don't have the um, the resources or the tools or maybe even the support, like, you, that's all changeable. Like, you can... Yep. You can find a different peop- a different group of people to support you. Like, you have to put yourself in that environment, and then it will be possible. Like, if you're putting yourself around people who are constantly criticizing you, not for your benefit, then get a new group of people. Yeah. Find people who are going to, like, add to that environment, help you out, or, you know, call you on your BS and criticize you for the good reasons, you know? Yeah, like, absolutely. you're doing something that isn't actually going to benefit you. This is what you said you wanted to do, rather than, like, oh, you want to do that? It doesn't seem like you could do that at all. Right. It's totally different. There are two totally different types of criticisms. And so if you don't feel like you can take a risk, it is, like, half your fault and half the people that are around you. Yeah, absolutely. And you, you said it. You can change those things. I mean, that's really, I think, what we want to get at in this passion series is figure out what you love and go do it. And if you felt like if you feel like you have roadblocks, move the roadblocks. Mm-hmm. If you feel like the people in your life don't support you, find new people in your life. If you feel like you don't have a, the money to do it, take an I'm extra like, take an extra job. <laughs> <laughs> take that extra job. Move into a crappier apartment, like figure out a way to live cheaper so you can use that money to go do what you need to do. Like there are. Any excuse can be met with an answer. I really believe that. Mm-hmm. Like, the, you know, maybe somebody's going to text me now and give me, like, the one thing <laughs> that's, like, impossible to get through. Like, okay, fine. And, like, in that one scenario, yes. Mm-hmm. But, you know, 99% of the time, if there's an obstacle, you can get through it. And I think it's about, you know, finding your passion and then moving those, actually going and doing it, moving those roadblocks. Because then that's how you make it happen. And I think that so many people that are that make it big so to speak you know the big time artists the big podcasts the big youtube channels the big actors actresses whatever it's just because they're willing to move those roadblocks mm-hmm. right it's not necessarily that they're more talented than anyone else how many artists have you heard here in boise that are as talented as anyone on the radio but they just didn't make it big maybe because they didn't want to go all in yeah yeah so go do it totally go do it. yeah so, great point yeah thanks for that question tyler that was good uh, <laughs> my next one how often is music on your mind? Because you have the full-time job, because you're a full-time student, like, is it constantly, like, you're just sitting in class and you're like, you know, music, 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 <laughs> yeah. or is it more calculated than that? Like, yeah. do you have times where you shut it off completely, or is it always in the back of your head? Are you always churning, you know, thinking of what you can do? Or Yeah, um, that's a great question. I think... There's definitely like I what I like to call like Madison proof mode. Um, and like it's like when I'm in Madison proof mode, like I'm on I'm untouchable. You know what I mean? Like a- any music idea you throw at me, let's do it. And then there's like regular me where it's like, oh, I don't really know how I could do that. Or um, I don't know if I can come up with that right now or I don't have anything. I don't have a verse. So let me try and put that in my calendar or whatever. Um, and so I think that oftentimes, I mean, yes, like I'm like hardwired for music. I'm, a lot of humans are like music sounds great to our ears right. and we'll make it ourselves if we have to, you know, with our tapping on the desks. And so um, as, as a kid, obviously, I was like obvi- obviously having it in my head all the time and being like that rambunctious child constantly singing and constantly banging on the desks and the pots and pans. Um, but now I would say it is a little bit more calculated, like like I, I was kind of talking about earlier, like music is the first thing to go on the back burner. So now when I, I, I find myself like being like, oh, it's been too long, I should do something. Um, but also 
there are times where it just comes up. You know, yeah. like I'll have a conversation with somebody about like I don't know, like one of my friends asked me to like go grab drinks with her at a bar, um, and I don't really like drinking a whole lot I mean I don't like get the whole bar appeal like there's like people everywhere and like it's like loud and stuff and you're yeah. you know it's just not a great environment um but that interaction alone I had like turned her down and she was like oh dang like I'll miss you um but that interaction like just kind of sparked this like this like thought of like this path of thought of like what would it be like for somebody to constantly want to go to a bar? Like, what are they searching for? And so I, like, came up with, like, a couple, I don't know, like, eight bars of, like, you know, really well-written, like, you know, soul-searching at the bar, you know, some yeah. stuff like that. And so sometimes things are, like, co- conversationally can come across and really strike me of, like, oh, I wonder I wonder what you're thinking. I wonder what you're feeling. Or, mm-hmm. like, could I tell a story out of that? And so sometimes, like, that gets written down. Um, but never really into full songs. Um, I think when those, when the random ones kind of come up, I just write it down as it is and I stick it in the file. And then, you know, when I, when I do, when you're talking about like the calculated stuff, I actually just got hit up to be a, a featured on a track today. So, and, and yeah, thanks. Yeah. Um, and so things like that, like when you, when I did kind of grow out of like the developing artist, I am still a developing artist, but to be like a brand new developing artist, I think a lot of times you have to take that creative time and make it like it's the creative time that no, you haven't been given a task or an assignment or a song or whatever it is that you're doing is the most important because you're developing like your own routine, your own schedule, how you want to do those things. But once you've kind of gotten it on your feet, it does become a lot more calculated. Um, you know, getting a song by track by track basis or, you know, to somebody saying they want to work with me or whatever. And I still go back to those um, creative in- endeavors or those lines and being like, oh, I can use this here. You know what I mean? So they benefit each other, even though they're both different processes. Okay. And my last question I have is, do you think you'll ever stop? Like, I know someone mentioned earlier that you're probably not going to be doing this when you're 40. Right? <laughs> but I don't think you'll lose the passion for music. I don't think that's something go that will go away. But do you think you'll ever stop having those moments where it's, oh, I would really like to make something of, you know, what you just said because it hit me. You mm-hmm. know, w- will that go away? Like, obviously, when you're 80, maybe not yeah, you know, yeah. doing it. But Or do you think you'll always have that where every once in a while you sneak away and you kind of make something new? Do you think that will always be there? Um, to some extent, I hope so. But um, on the other hand, you know... Like, in my opinion, like, Eminem, like, might want to stop making music soon. Like, I feel like I've already heard it all. Yeah. I mean, in my opinion. And, and like, I, I, it's just, like, you you keep hearing sometimes these artists, and it's like, dang, like, they're still going. Like, what more could they possibly have to say? Like, they're just repackaging and repurposing their old legacy and throwing it on a new thing. <laughs> I know, that's yeah. what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. And so, I, I, to some extent, I'm like, no, I hope I never lose that desire to want to tell a different story or to maybe tell a story that isn't my own. Um, and I think that maybe that could be a point of growth for me, um, you know, when it is. And another time, another piece of advice for, I mean, myself and everybody um, is that it's not always our spotlight. It's not always our moment. It's mm-hmm. not always our time. Like sometimes like the best thing you can do is step back and let somebody else speak. Like, you know, it's it's just really 
really necessary. Um, and so at one point, maybe, you know, I'll, I'll get to that and, and I could probably use some of my other, you know, eff- recording eff- efforts and knowledge and all that stuff to help other artists hone in on what they want to say. Um, yeah. Right. And that's, I feel like the, the beauty of the music industry is you're never really out of it. Even if you stop making music, I mean, how many artists, they, they're still around music, right? Mm-hmm. They're still involved in helping other artists grow and create and I mean, I feel like with you in particular, and please correct me if I'm wrong, but like since you have that passion for uniting people, I just I can already see you once you feel like you've grown out of like making your own music and you felt like you've said what you need to say, just really starting to focus on all right, let's unite this community. Let's mm-hmm. bring up the Boise community, you know? Yeah. Like I've got five Grammys, let's get the rest <laughs> of the Boise <laughs> community some Grammys. <laughs> yeah, shoot for the stars, right? Yeah. Yeah, I definitely think that um that's I mean that's definitely a route that I'm already kind of considering. Um just, you know, with like everybody kind of and myself questioning the longevity of this music career of mine. Um is that it doesn't it, it won't always be about me. And and rightfully so, you know what I mean? Some artists in their own right can, you know, make billions off of their like their character you know what I mean like Like, they're on yeah Yeah. exactly that's what I'm trying to say their self-image and that's not really where I'm trying to come at it obviously um and so trying to use my own experiences and things like that to be able to help other artists and help either like help them produce things or even just like on a consultation basis like why are you doing this what's what drew you to this to this genre of music or to this space yeah so, and I, one last question that I've got for you is just, what's some advice that you could give somebody who is interested in the music industry or they feel like they have a passion for music but haven't started it yet? What can they do to get started? And then what advice would you give them as they go through that process of per- pursuing their music passion? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I think, I mean, there isn't like one blanket piece of advice because p- so many people have different needs at at different levels of their artistry um I think something that really helped me when I was um developing and trying to grow myself as an artist was trying a bunch of different styles I mean specifically with music just because I was like okay if I'm gonna do this hip-hop thing I'm gonna do it all the way and I want to be really good at it so I tried to do a bunch of different like hip-hop beats and then after that I was like okay well if this didn't work out you know what I mean? Smart, right. smart thinkers always trying to have a couple yeah. other well, options. Exactly. Yeah. And so really trying to like like letting go of like what you think you're capable and not capable of because you can find yourself in some really uncomfortable situations and still succeeding. You Absolutely, know what I mean? Yeah. So I think that's something that's really, really a good piece of advice is to like try you don't have to try everything, but try the uncomfortable thing. Like try yeah. try the new thing that like you know nothing about and and also putting yourself in those environments like I was talking about, like the support group or even it doesn't have to be person to person. It can be online. Like heard Reddit is a great place for those things. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So um, r- trying the new stuff and be- believing in yourself that you're good enough to do it in the first place. Yeah, like you're absolutely. capable to do it. You know what I mean? Like how many other people have you like looked at and and thought I didn't think that they could do that. Like right. people are thinking that of you as well. You just have to give yourself like that right. Like oh yeah, that's right. I didn't think that, that other person could do it and I didn't think I could do it, but we are both still doing things. You know right. what I mean? Yeah, yeah, no, I with you. We say it all the time. Like you are royalty. You got to mm-hmm. have that mindset going in. Be confident in yourself and know like no matter how untalented you feel, 
deep down, I think we all know there's certain things that we are talented are. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's just the way it is. I knew I was never going to play in the NFL. I, since I was a young age, felt like I could talk. And it, you know, it sounds like for you, you knew from a young age that you could sing or mm-hmm. that, that you could, you just had a mind for music. Like mm-hmm. we all have something, figure out what your something is and like you can go make something big out of it. Mm-hmm. I love that. I love that idea. And I just love, I love the idea of just go try new things. I mean, if you've been a subscriber to the podcast for a while now, you've seen it with us, right? We, we went from sports and we had <laughs> kind of this motivational stuff that we were in Game of Thrones and now we were talking about relationships. Like we've been all over the map, it but it's crazy. just, we're figuring out what works. And, you know, it sounds like that's kind of what you've done for yourself as well. I know you talked about, you know, you, you had some experience in, in boom bap and then there's a lot of kind of like jazzy undertones to some of your stuff. Mm-hmm. And I mean, your music really, what you put out so far has kind of like a, a wide array of, mm-hmm. of stuff you've touched on. And I feel like it's you know, probably going to just continue to grow. Yeah. And do you feel that way? Do you feel like your music in particular is gone? You're broadening or do you mm-hmm. feel like you're kind of narrowing in on what fits you? Definitely broadening. Like when people ask me what this newer album sounds like, I'm like, it's like a, a genre, emotion, salad, you know? <laughs> like, it's all, like, each song is, like, a different, like, like one song is sushi, and the next one's, like, fried chicken, and the next one's, like, a bowl of soup. You know what I mean? And it's all on this, like, golden platter, and, you know, you just kind of, like, try them out, you know? Mm-hmm. They're n- not, it's, it's not, like, a regular album where you could, I mean, it could be listened front to beginning and it can be put on shuffle like I think everything that's in there um whenever you hear it is probably when you're meant to hear it um and in the way that it's that it's written I don't think that um I mean I love being a hip-hop artist I love being in the scene mad props to everybody who's gotten me here and validates me as a femc a female mc a hip-hop artist um femc I've never heard that term I like really that. yeah femc it's a, it's a dope term yeah thanks <laughs> um but also that um you never want to limit yourself. And, and, I, yeah. and I really felt like if I was especially going to be comparing myself in the industry to other FEMCs, that is very limiting because there is a set, um, like, character type of what I look like. I have to be, like, wearing very skimpy clothes. I have to be talking about, like, shaking my butt and going to the clubs. And you know what I mean? Like, there aren't very many classy um, popular femcs yeah. in the media, and so I really felt like for people to be taking me seriously, I just kind of had to kind of cast all that out and be like, all right, this is hip hop, but ish, like you know, like yeah. trying other things out so I could kind of cast off that like you know perception that people expected to have yeah. of me. Um, so yeah, yeah, no, and I I feel like there's definitely and talk talk a little bit because I. You talked in particular about, you know, not wanting to be with, just to put some names on it, the Nicki Minaj, the Uh Cardi B, the Uh I'm going to shake my butt. It's all about, you know, my body. And, but I I feel like a lot of your lyrics, there's maybe some inspiration from like some, some Lauren Hill, maybe Mm -hmm. there's a little bit of no name. Like who are some of your inspirations for where you wanted to go? And, um, obviously you're in an an area that there aren't a lot of mm-hmm. inspirations and you've talked about how you want to become an inspiration. So who, who's inspired you to where you want to go? And then how do you hope to inspire others who want to follow in your footsteps? Yeah. Um, big inspirations you already named. Yeah. Um, uh, Lauren Hill, a huge yeah, one. Yeah, that one yeah. is the first time. Very obvious. Like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I get it all the time. Um, uh, and I'm very grateful for it. Um, I, it's funny. People are like, have you heard of Lauren Hill? I'm like, 
No. No, never. No, did you listen to the album? I've never heard of her. Yeah. Like, where do you think all this came from, you know? Um, Amy Winehouse, Lauren okay. Hill, um, Reverie, she's another underground um, femcee. I do listen to a lot of Cardi B, and let me explain my take on this. All right, let's hear it, yeah. Because I, I, s- I struggle with it, because some of, some of the... Like, through your phone and, um, there's another, oh, be careful, be careful and through your phone. Are, be careful is fantastic. Are, that's what I'm saying. They're very real and raw female emotions when you're in a cheating, re- any cheating relationship. But right. it is a very, um, I feel like a great representation of raw female emotion that is not, like, led astray. You know what I mean? Like, there yeah. is a bit of, like, aggression and some, like, you know, like, toxic f- femininity there. But... I think that um, the fact that she's really owning her position as, like, a sex worker is really empowering. Like, at some point, like, it's, again, like, this tug of war because she is being sexualized a ton by everybody in the media and also sexualizing herself, but she's owning that. You know what I mean? That's hers. She gets to do that. And so I really, um, I look up to her in that way, um, but it's also, and, and, and to some some downfalls you know when I'm when I'm dancing and I'm and I'm shaking my butt on stage and I'm having fun like that is my part of owning that like this is what it looks like when I'm having fun yeah but it's difficult when you are sexualized by other people then you start sexualizing yourself yeah like oh maybe I can't you know I can't dress like this or I I don't want to wear revealing clothing because I don't want this attention like these are real things that you know it's a catch-22 exactly how do you you be yourself but also not be this thing you it's a huge catch-22 yeah and it's something I really had to like uh, uh, something I really run into still now and also on the last album which is kind of why I kind of separated from that traditional like boom bap or trap rap or whatever and kind of went into like more groovy jazzy even like a disco song on there it's a little bit slower um just trying to, I don't know, experiment with, like, how how hard can I hip-hop without having to, like, sexualize myself? You yeah. know what I mean? It's kind of like a weird, it's like a, a couple different genres, but it was really just like a test. Yeah, absolutely. And, yeah, I don't know. I From all the music I've heard, I feel like you do a great job of that. And I think that you can, there's a way you can strike the balance between being yourself and essentially having your music speak for you less so than your body or those yeah. type of things, which you know, you talked in particular, there's a couple of Cardi B songs that I think that where she gets to her roots and who she, she is. And she gets into those emotions. You talked about be careful like that. Mm-hmm. That's like the one Cardi B song I'll throw on. And I'm always like, yo, this is fantastic. It's, a good it is, one. it's emotional. Like yeah. About it. <laughs> it's emotional. She gets in, in tune with herself. And you know, those are the type of things that I know I love seeing in hip hop artists in general. You know, I'm on the other side, on the male side, I'm not super into the whole like, Oh, let's get money. Yeah. Like, let's just like go have sex with women. Like to me, mm-hmm. it's like, it's so fake. And, um, I, I think definitely you are like, as you, as you continue to grow and continue to build your brand, I feel like you're going to build it on the right things. And that's going to hopefully inspire more young femcees to be like, hey, <laughs> let's do things the, the right way. Oh, Tyler, sure. did you have any other questions before we get to our last segment here? I made it through my list. All right. Cool. So our last segment that we're starting on the, on the channel. So not only are you first in our series of passions, you're first in this segment, which is currently unnamed. We're going to come up with a name <laughs> okay. with it. We want to we wanna get the best possible name for it. Uh-huh. But essentially the idea is we're going to ask you to create a ranking list. Okay. And it's okay. going to be your top three. But we don't want to do it on music. That's too easy for you. You've thought about that before. Okay. It'd be too easy to say who's your three, who's the three best rappers alive. No, 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 no. What are the three best types of cereal? 
That's okay. what we need you to answer for us. Okay. This is the the takes that we really need. We're gonna be going going through as we continue this every. I think we're doing it every Friday as we get in our series. Whenever we have new people on, gonna give them top three on just anything and everything. That's the premise of the series. Today we've got cereal. We want it to be as detached from whatever your passion is as possible. Yeah, okay. you definitely threw me for a loop. I yeah. haven't thought about <laughs> cereal in, like, forever. You're sitting there thinking, like, oh, man, he's going to ask my three favorite female. No, yeah, no, no. 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 Okay. We, we've all thought about that way too much. So mm-hmm. as you're thinking, Tyler and I can kind of bounce through ours real quick. Tyler, yeah. do you want to go first or you want me to run through first? Top three cereals. Top three cereals. Side note, real quick. Uh-huh. Cereal is meant to be judged with 1% or 2% milk. Not skim milk, okay? okay. Cere- There's some cereals that are really good with 1% or 2% milk, mm-hmm. but they're not good with skim milk. So that, that so was an aside. this has been like a learning curve. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That was an aside, but uh, I'm going to go with number one is probably Cocoa Pebbles. Um, number two is probably, there's like, there's like, Cocoa and Fruity Pebbles right at the top. And then number two would be uh, probably... Wait, you're tying two different I'm cereals sorry. Yeah. for okay, one? Okay, okay, okay. You, you gotta that. pick one pebble. Okay. We, yeah. gotta be, we gotta be strict here. Yeah. Cocoa Pebbles. Okay. Yes. Boom. One. Cocoa one. Pebbles. Two. Fruity Pebbles. Okay. <laughs> okay. All right. Big two. Pebble guy. All right. Okay. Three is... Oh, uh, I'm gonna have to go with... The special K cereal that has dried strawberries in it. This oh, okay. just took such a turn. <laughs> <laughs> totally like, like crap, crap, healthy. So, like. so you, yeah, you you went from super chocolatey to super fruity to super healthy. Yeah, All I over like the it. Map, yeah, then. no, All that's like the that's the perfect list for somebody who's like you know willing to try some cereals outside of the box. Ooh, yeah, I like that. Get outside your comfort zone. I like that. Uh, for me personally, create some graphics. For number, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> for number one, I'm with you. Cocoa Pebbles. Okay. Die Hard Cocoa Pebbles stand. I ride with Cocoa Pebbles for always and forever. Mm. Number two, those Frosted Flakes. Tony the Tiger. Give me those flakes. <laughs> Delicious. Fantastic. I can always bounce on that cereal. Can always count on it. And my number three, Cinnamon Life. Fantastic. Mm. Yeah, it's what mm. people people don't look at. They try the original mm. life. They're like, ah, it's just okay. Cinnamon life, fire. Mm. So, so good. It reminds me of eating toast, like buttered toast with, with cinnamon sugar on it. It's so, so good. And my hot take on cereal, I don't eat cereal with milk. And you're listening at home and you just unsubscribed and blocked me on social media like my ex. <laughs> what like, do you that's just, eat it with? Yeah, I just eat it plain. Okay. I'm a super, and Tyler can attest to this. He lives with me. I'm a super slow eater. Really? I am a super slow eater. So every time growing up that I put milk in my cereal, it got super soggy and disgusting. So I just learned that if I don't put milk in it, it doesn't get soggy. Mm. And so I will, I will have a glass of milk that I drink with my cereal, but I don't <laughs> mix the two. It just doesn't get soggy. It's just... I'm I'm a super I'm slow eater. Yeah. A little, <laughs> like what? Yeah. We, it's just it's the way I've been. I own it. I know I'm weird. I don't try to convince others that I'm right. It's just I I have this quirk about me, and I learn to adapt with my quirk. Wow. There was a roadblock in my life, <laughs> and I moved it. Oh my gosh. Hi, <laughs> right, Madison. Awesome. Your top three. Okay. Well, I wanted to put Cocoa Pebbles up in my top three, but it is like a favorite. So instead of putting in my top three, I'll just offer 
like another recipe. Okay. I put it, I put cocoa pebbles as like the crunchy topping to my ice cream. Ooh. Yes. Specifically Neapolitan ice cream. And if you melt it for like 10, maybe 15 seconds just to get it like, like warm enough so you can mix it all together. So you have the vanilla and the chocolate and the strawberry all mixed into one. Just put some of uh, that cocoa that pebbles fantastic. on it. And then you get like the chocolate strawberry with some crunchies in there. It's that sounds incredible. That does it's really amazing. Really good. I like You're that welcome. little like crispy. I'm a, I'm a huge crunchy guy. So yeah, like, I like them. I like that. I yeah, like that. you're welcome. Yeah. What do you got for your number two? Okay. Um. Um. I'm all for like cheap cereals. Like hashtag college student budget. Yeah. Um, when we say cocoa pebbles, we mean cocoa dino bites. Right. Right. Sure. Okay. Okay. For sure. <laughs> good. 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 Okay. Um, I think like the next one would probably have to be like um, kicks, and I know ooh, that's like ooh. I know it's like a it, like throws me back into like my daycare days, but I mean it, outside the box for sure. Yeah, thanks. Yeah. Um, and then number three, a family favorite is the s'mores cereal. I don't know if I've ever. I don't ever, think I've ever had it. I don't think I've ever had that. Okay, wait, gentlemen, please. We, I I can't deal with this. We're <laughs> going. We're going to the stats department right now <laughs> to try to look at this this cereal, the honey made s'mores cereal. Let me see. Tyler, is, have have the, ever, like the blue box? Is it? Yeah, that right there. Is that does, does that look right? Um, oh, it just it brought up a Target thing. Yeah, it, it looks. That, I mean, and that's not like the. I mean, it's probably, I'm it's, sure, the same. I've definitely yeah. never had that. I've never I've never had that. Like, oh, is this what you're talking about? That right there? No. Dang. Uh, well, maybe they just rebranded or something. Maybe. But I don't, they I've could never have. had. If I oh, find. that. Yes. That's what she's talking yes. about. Yes. I don't think I've ever. Still haven't had. I've never, never seen that it. before. You gotta. Kellogg's S'mores breakfast cereal. Yes. Graham cracker s'mores. That, it has marshmallows in it. It'll blow your mind. Well, I mean, so does Lucky Charms. Hot take. Not a huge Lucky Charms guy because I don't like mar- I don't love the marshmallows. Fair enough. I'll respect you. Like I actually I like the other part of Lucky Charms better than the marshmallows. Hmm. Agreed. Yeah. It's like it, more of like a Cheerio type of guy, huh? Yeah, I do. Yeah, <laughs> I, I do like Cheerios. Cheerios would would probably be like five on my list. Okay. Yeah, yeah but we're not going to five. We're not going to five. No, we're not going to five. We're just going three <laughs> because like, oh God. if we went to five, we'd have to do another podcast yeah. or this one would be three hours long. Fair enough. Yeah, things right. would get heated, but s'mores. All right. Well, here's my seek discomfort mission for the week. Go try s'mores cereal. Yeah. I've never had it before and it's in your top three and I, I trust you a lot as a human and <laughs> as, a, as a, a tongue of cereal. So um, we're going to go. We're going to give it a try. But uh, thank you all so much for listening. Hopefully you enjoyed part one in our series on passion and part one in our soon-to-be-named top three segment that we are starting. Uh, We had a lot of fun. Madison, thank you so much. You were fantastic. We appreciate you you so much. Can't wait for more music to come. If you haven't already, like I said, go listen to Madison at Madison Proof. Her most recent album was available on pretty much everything, right? Spotify, Apple Music, SoundCloud. Mm -hmm. And that first mixtape, Crossroads, is available on SoundCloud. It's fantastic. We're actually going to, instead of our normal outro music, we're going to play you Madison's title track off that mixtape because it's fantastic. (laughs) Thank you all so much. Love you all. Have a good one. Back